How would you like to win two tickets to the Super Bowl coming right up? Vega is doing a promo code NFL0344, so apply there. And also, if you want to support the show another way, under the Vigit app, use promo code HUH2021. That's HUH2021. And for the Super Bowl, two tickets that you're trying to win, it is NFL0344. All right, so this is... Uh... Part two of uh, where we just left off. So, like I was saying, uh, the Devils has a few missed calls and some really good heads-up plays early in the game. Um, What did you think of those sprawling saves and the Sasquatch slot or uh, the defense to uh, bail out Bernier and Bernier bailed out the, the defense? Well, I said it in my show, I, I actually picked Jonathan Bernier to be the star of the game. Like, because c- I just said, like, I expect Bernier to do what Mackenzie Blackwood uh, did for the New Jersey Devils to begin the year, which is basically, even though he's a goalie, he's our best defenseman. Because I expected for the Devils to be somewhat rusty because we have to move Siegenthaler and Subban up to the second line. And then, you know, we, we got Hamilton and Graves, but at the same time, they can't play every single moment. So, so, but I said their main priority is that they have to lead the defensive unit. You're probably thinking, yeah, no duh, they have to lead them. But at the same time, it's just like, keep in mind, Ty Smith is out, all rookie team, Damon Severson out. And he's our main, um, he's one of our main leaders. So um, what I thought about Jonathan Bernier making those saves, I was just like, I, I said in my show, and again, I will put up my right hand and admit when I'm wrong. Even though I projected for him to be, uh, you know, our main star, I said, don't expect him to make, you know, spectacular saves or anything. Just, you know, I, but I was wrong. I, I was I was wrong. And um, as for the defense, what, what more can I say about Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton? But I can say this, and I'm not sure if you knew this or not. Their Corsi 4 percentage was 75 for Dougie Hamilton. And Ryan Graves, this was about 74%. You know, so, you, ju- you just confirmed what your colleague Alex Chauncey once uh, tweeted uh, with the pictures on Twitter. Wow. Wow. I guess great minds think alike. Yes. But, <laughs> but I, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was saying, like, I noticed uh, on the eye test that when Hamilton and Graves both got the puck, they had the puck at an average of at least 60% of the time, but they had it three-quarters of the time. And Dougie, with the one goal out of three shots, that's that's 33% of the time that he can score on any of those shots. And you know what Lindy Ruff was saying at the beginning of the year or what, what he was saying like during practice and also what he was seeing, he saw that Dougie Hamilton, when, you know, when uh, he had the puck, he would clear it with ease. And that was the thing that the New Jersey Devils needed to work on, which was it didn't seem they knew how to clear the puck last year. And I actually talked to Bryce Salvador. I'm not sure if you listened to that. I heard uh, that. And I'm not sure if you listened to that interview or not, but uh, Bryce so Salvador 
Episode 300, baby, and I'm still going. I still can't <laughs> believe I've, I've done. I still can't believe I've done 300 episodes. But anyway, um, Bryce Salvador actually confirmed my eye test, which was, you know, the Devils were, uh, I believe, third from the bottom in terms of just dumping the puck or clearing it out of the zone. So I'm not crazy. Like the, they they needed to work on clearing the puck, and with Dougie Hamilton out there. He certainly knows how to uh, assert himself. He asserted himself within the first 15 seconds. And then for Ryan Graves, you know, the thing is, Ryan Graves is so slept on. Like, people don't know how great he is. Did you know that he led the uh, league in plus minus just a couple seasons ago? I'm did, not did surprised. You know? I'm not surprised, but I'm glad you confirmed something that I was just thinking about because he's such a he's such a heavy hitter, and he knows how to, like, help – his team, you know, increase the odds of scoring. So it does, it does confirm that. Um, what I noticed is that when I looked at Ryan Graves, Jimmy VC, Dougie Hamilton, there's one thing that they have in common. Their goals above replacement and expected are more than high above average. It's pretty high. And then if you look at um, the, penalties and the penalty kill part of it they both are off the charts when it comes to that if you look at evolving hockey yeah so just just that that's what i need from ryan graves i don't care about like the scoring numbers that's just like as as his fan page would say that's just gravy on on potatoes kind of thing like because you know he, <laughs> he, he has a, he has a he has a very popular uh, fan page that everyone should follow who's listening to this. But, um, you know, that that's just like gravy on the potatoes in terms of his scoring. I'm more concerned about, I thought I'd never say this, but more of just the other minuscule stuff that we don't even notice, like like the plus minus, the defensive shares. Like that same season that he led the league in plus minus, he also led the league in defensive shares. So, um and, and people just said the reason he's good is just because he was with uh, a very good defensive-minded organization, the Colorado Avalanche. But I was just like, if Graves can, if Graves is able to transfer what he was able to do in Colorado to New Jersey, then guess what? We we just got a diamond in the rough, and all we had to give up was what Maltsev for him. Maltsev and a third. That's all. That's it, and, and we got our top uh, defensive guy. Well, then again, I, I, it, since the expansion draft was that summer, I guess the um, Colorado Avalanche didn't really have much options just because, you know, they you had to protect a player. And unfortunately, just with the great defenseman they had, they would have been forced to expose uh, Graves in the draft. They would have lost for nothing. Well, then again, the Kraken were drafting pretty, how would I say this politely, just questionable I, I guess is a polite way to say it. Just, just, I was like, wait, wait a minute. You're going with this player. Oh, oh, okay. Um, uh, okay. Like they passed on Subban as well. I was just like, huh, you would think they would want someone like Subban on their organization because, you know, Subban could give you a lot of press, but uh, I, I, okay. I guess they just didn't want to break the bank similar to what the Vegas golden Knights have done. But, you know, going back to Ryan Graves, Ryan Graves is just so heavily slept on. And I, I hope that, you know, if people don't know who he is, now they know who he is. Because, like I said earlier in the show, um, at one point the Devils were leading 3-1, to one, and he and Dougie Hamilton both had a plus-minus of plus three. So, 
if Brian Graves is able to keep that up and just rely on Dougie Hamilton to do scoring similar to what uh, tonight's situation was in terms of just, you know, Hamilton scores and then uh, Ryan Graves is the, the passer, then Ryan Graves' numbers are going to be through the roof. And same with Dougie Hamilton. So I'm excited to see what they do. So that's my opinion on the Sasquatch squad and the fact that they were able to, especially in the second period when I was watching it, so in, in, intensely just like, oh, 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 no, no, no. They're about to score. They're about to score. Okay, they got out of the crease. They got out of the crease. Okay, uh, dip it on back. Come on. Or or clear it. You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I that that's not the New Jersey Devils I know. That's not the Devils I knew in recent years, which is that – They'll get, you know, they'll get burned on those kind of possessions. But the fact that Jonathan Bernier had the defenseman's back and the fact that the defenseman had Jonathan Bernier's back, pretty impressive, if, if, if I might add. Like, for me, seeing the Sasquatch squad, you know, come into their own, like, they were able to, like you said, clear out the puck sooner than last year's squad. And for me, they were able to energize the fans as, as well. And they were feeding off the – the crowd like during the whole entire game. And, you know, I think the more that they embrace this fan base, the more excited and more motivated they are going to perform. And it's only a matter of time when the NHL is like, the devils are in fourth place. They're in third place. They're pushing for an actual playoff spot. Is this going to be for real? I'd rather have that kind of press than like last year where, you know, everything was gone down the pipes. You know, I, I, I said this in my show many times, uh, Joe, I feel as though the Devils can be a dark horse team, like to, to possibly make a wild card position. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to clinch a playoff spot, but I think they'll, I think they could do it. I I have a funny feeling like I'm looking at the older teams like the Penguins and then you look at the Islanders have a couple of questionable moves with, you know, extending, you know, Pulak. I know is going to be 36 by the end of that contract, but like looking at Chara at 44 and you have Green, what if those two guys go down with injury? Are those guys in the pipeline going to fill in and – if they do, then how are they going to perform? And wouldn't that affect the Islanders' chances of making the playoffs being a win-now team? And wouldn't that help the Devils' case along with Carolina losing Hamilton? Hmm. What about hey. Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is getting older, and it seems like they're on the decline. However, they're, they're not, like, in a nosedive. They're, they're kind of steadily, you know, going down because they're getting older. But, you know, that's the case for a lot of teams. Um I don't think I, it would be very hard for us to be better than the Penguins. Uh, I, I just don't see it this year. Could be possible, but I, I, I just don't see it this year, quite honestly. I really don't. And Carolina, still a team you respect. Not It's not a team that you fear. Like I said, too early to tell. We need to see like who are the for sure for sures or who are the complete duds. But I just think it's just a little too early to, to tell right now. And I don't really want to just say, okay, the Devils could be better than that, than that, or, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so we could be better than the, the Blue Jackets. We could be better than uh, the, the Flyers, in my opinion. Um, but it's just like some of these teams, I'm just looking like, like the Rangers, for example. It's just like the Rangers are kind of like us. They're young and 
the Rangers went to the playoffs last year. No, no, they didn't. They were they, they were fell creeping short. on him. They fell short. Excuse me. Yeah, they fell short, but they were they they, they were competing for one. Like we didn't we kind of helped their chances because we lost like what four games in a row to them at one yeah, point. Yeah, we did. We gave, and we gave Shashurskin his uh, two only two career uh, shoutouts to begin his to begin his uh, his NHL career. So that was kind of embarrassing. But uh, just man, or what are the Flyers going to do? Just, just that kind of thing. I I honestly think you know the Flyers are stuck between Martin Jones and Carter Hart, and I think Carter Hart is going to try his best to steal back his season from last year. So it's going to be like he's going to be motivated, but will he come back like Mackenzie Blackwood looking for an on average of 25 wins and whatnot? And I don't think uh, about Philadelphia being that good of a defense with Rasmus Ristolainen and Ryan Ellis. And Ellis is not going to get any younger. And Ristolainen still a shaky defenseman. And his goals above replacement and his – Defensive numbers just don't really show it. I don't know what the uh, the, the Flyers were doing trading for Ristolainen, especially their 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 first round selection. Like they had the, like what the thirteenth or fourteenth overall pick. Why yeah. would they trade that for Ristolainen? Ristolainen's been on the Sabers for a few years for a reason because the Sabers didn't know how to get rid of him. And, and I, like I and the Devils were rumored to be interested in him, and I was just like. You trade if you're going to trade Ristolainen, you better just be giving up a second or a third round pick. Anything else, I I just stay away. Yeah, I if I was the Flyers, I would have just, I would have gotten Jesper Wallstead easily. Oh man, I, I, but you know what? I'm not going to. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fault their mistakes. I'm not going to question it. I'll, I'll let them be stupid. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm definitely not. I'm not questioning. I'm just saying, like, if I was the GM, I, I don't think I would make that move. They're not, not. I, is he really worth a 13th overall pick? Is he worth that? No. I mean, his power play numbers are pretty good, but his five <clears> on five is a big question mark, in my opinion. He's just a power play specialist. Well. Speaking of power play, we need to get better in the power play, but I don't think uh, Rasmus Ristolainen would have been our answer, quite no. honestly. I, I, that's why I, I believe in Alexander Holtz coming up when he does, and I believe they will have that guy, you know, uh, rattling off pucks like left and right. So, I mean, with that being said, I'm not sure uh, if you think there's another prospect in the pipeline that could – but who do you think has that chance to, you know, be a difference maker on the power play? Okay. Um, oof, this is a tough one. So I'm looking at two guys, Nolan Foote and um, Riley Walsh. What about Graham Clark? Graham Clark, uh, I- I'm just not impressed, okay? I just don't see anything. like. Um, you know, yes, he's the older brother of Brant, but you know, I, I don't know. I, he's just, I, I, I'm not really seeing anything right now. I, I, I think if he hasn't been given his chance already, I think he's going to at some point this year, 
but quite honestly, the, the two projects I'm looking at are Riley Walsh and Nolan Foote, mm. in, in my opinion. Now, the reason for Nolan Foote is like the reason why he's starting off in Utica was just unfortunately no one anticipated for Dawson Mercer to be doing what he's doing. No one anticipated for Alexander Holtz to be doing what he's doing. Like we knew they would get their NHL chance, but we were just like, okay, you know what? They won't really do anything, training camp, preseason, whatever the case might be. We'll send them down to Utica. They're going to do well. Then we're going to bring them up, and Nolan Foot's going to be on, like, the fourth line or something. That was my first prediction when training camp begun. Mm. So but, um, once Dawson Mercer and Alexander Holtz caught fire, I was just like, Nolan Foot might be in trouble. But let's not forget, during the prospects camp, um, I believe it was against either the Bruins or the Sabres, Holtz, Mercer, and Foot all combined for seven points in one game, and they were playing on the same top line. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, maybe at the midway point of the season that that line gets re- rekindled. I'd say I, I agree with you. I'd say in my show, too. I was just like, you know, if you're playing against a lowly team like the Sabres or uh, maybe the Red Wings or the Senators or something like that, a, another young team, by all means, put those guys together and just see how it goes. Because you know they'll they'll be essentially playing against their peers, in my opinion. But and I, th- um, and I think later in the season, you know, when they get ready to have certain players go to the Olympic teams, you want to have a couple guys be ready to take those spots. Um, if one of those guys is not ready to come back, you know, because of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's definitely going to be a huge question mark, but I personally am all for it. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. I'm saying it. I am speaking into existence right now. Nolan Foote, Dawson Mercer, and Alexander Holtz will all be reunited on a bottom six line when the opportunity presents itself. When we're going up against another young team that doesn't really scare us, and let's just let's just run it. You know, I'm curious to see how that would turn out, quite honestly. And so what are some things that you want to wrap up on um, with tonight's uh, podcast? It'll be on your uh, post-game show um, later on this week. Um, My reaction um, and my overall just wrap-up is this. The Devils, we can do great things. However, we cannot take a night off, okay? We're in a tough division. We're in the Metropolitan Division. And if we want a wild card spot, only, only two, two teams can get it. As in, like, the, the next top team, like the, the team with the two highest points that didn't clinch a spot. So my, my thing is, is like, you know, if we want to be that team to, to uh, get a wild card spot, all needs to go right. No nights off. We got to win the games that we got to win. You know, there's some teams that they're going to overpower us, and that's okay. But if we want to do something special, we need to stay consistent. We need to stay healthy. And on specialty teams, get your act together. Can't reiterate that enough. Get it together. Or as we say, get your shit together. Of that too. That 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 he. I was trying to be nice about it, but <laughs> what, Joe, what Joe said, absolutely right. 
get your shit together. Because if if you if you screw up, I can't tell you how many times last year, Joe, where um, specialty teams just shot us in the foot. Like we had a chance to win, but we blew it. I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've seen where we could have cleared the puck and gotten out of situations, but we didn't. But but for some reason, I I feel more like the happy Rodney Dangerfield, where he's like, "Hey, everybody, we're all gonna get you know what." And now I've that's how I feel after tonight's win. But um, last year was like, oh, to hell with it. I felt like we had a better chance just due to COVID and just how the how we were like in the uh, uh, we were in the uh, Eastern Division. Just like I was like, okay, I think we have a chance. Just based on how things are changing up, there was obviously no wild card team, but I was just like, okay, okay, let's um, just see how this goes. And unfortunately, it, we, we we got off to a pretty decent start, but we just couldn't finish. So if we want to be, so if we want to be uh, one of those teams from the Metropolitan Division to get the get the wild card spot along with another uh, Atlantic Division team, then we we really got to we we can't take any nights off like. There, there's no excuses. And so when you say nights off, we got to turn on the, turn off the lights eventually. Was that a joke to the uh, Islanders uh, game? Yeah. The one that... <laughs> they, they, they got overpowered by Carolina the other night. <laughs> I, I still can't believe that happened. We couldn't play a game to a, to a power out. It's just, just when I thought I saw everything. <laughs> well, so someone said Lou did something about it. Well, Lou loves the New Jersey Devils. That's why he ch- constantly trades for them every single year. Like Andy Green, Corey Schneider, Travis Zajac, Kyle Paul Mary. I know I'm forgetting someone, but still, you know, he uh, loves um, he loves his New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I I I I do miss Travis Zajac a little bit, but I'm glad he's, you know, one of the alumni now because it's good to have a former hockey mind around you whenever he can. Yep, and I'm glad he's going to be in the organization and just um, and, and just help out the young guys. But overall, just reiterate my final points. Um, for the Devils, just keep it together. Um, you know, get specialty teams down, watch film, listen to the veteran players, and know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and just, you know, we're, we're a good team. And know your now enemies. Now it's time. Know your enemies, too. Now it's just time to combine it all together. And eventually it'll be a nice pork roll, egg and cheese sandwich for all our listeners in New Jersey. Or if you're in Michigan, you probably like to have your your cheese curds and whatnot. I prefer a Coney dog in Detroit, but, you know, that, that, <laughs> works. that works, too. That works, too. I, I'm in Michigan for school. That's why. The, if anybody didn't get that. Yeah, I, I had to make a Midwestern reference. But nah, nah, I, I'll I'll get a Coney dog. I'll have to try and get one. But um yeah, I mean it's great that we uh touch on all these uh subjects and all in one night. And for any of you listening, um I'm over here on Heads Up Hockey. Um you can also find me on Overtime Heroics hockey.net so um where can they find you troy so troy. they can find me it, it's trey i get that a lot. sorry it's, it's all good it's all good <laughs> no need to be sorry but um 
They can find me at Trey Matt four T R E Y M A T T and the number four Instagram is Trey Emery Matthews. And you can also find my show locked on devils, wherever you get your podcast from. And also the Twitter page is at locked on devils. Yeah. And uh, you can find me at Joe of Jersey on Instagram. Uh, actually that's my, uh, my, my Twitter, but my Instagram is at Joe of Jersey. So you can find me there. Um, you'll find other like-minded uh, podcasters on there and, you know, it's a great evening to talk to you and, you know, great opener for the doubles. It is great. And I'm, and hopefully we do more of this. I think we will. And eventually we'll keep growing more listeners. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. And peace to everyone. Hello, everybody. It is Trey Matthews and this is the New Jersey Devils uh, post-game reaction. This is opening night. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Well, welcome to the show again, Trey. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. We have a lot to talk about in this game because it wasn't the cleanest game, but we got it done. Well, like Larry the Cable Guy once said, you got to get her done. And we got her done. So Jack Hughes scoring two goals, Dougie Hamilton getting his first career goal with the New Jersey Devils organization within the first, what, 17 seconds. Andreas Janssen uh, shutting up some haters on Twitter. Um, and, and Jonathan Berngay pretty much held his own, like, like I said. So I made predictions in my show. I said um, the New Jersey Devils would win the game two to one. Uh, they didn't, but, you know, they still won by a goal. So I guess that's half right. Yeah, uh, I said it said it wouldn't be the cleanest game. It, it wasn't. It, I said we would win two to one, but it would be very sloppy. And I also said there would be no OT or shootout or nothing like that. <laughs> it went into OT. So there's another prediction I got wrong. I said maybe I said like similar to the Seth Jones situation. I said like, um, you know, uh, maybe Dougie Hamilton will need some time to get accustomed to the de- to the devil's uh, system and organization. And he, he, it took him like 15 seconds to make an impact along with Ryan Graves. And that's another thing I want to talk about. Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton, at one point, the New Jersey Devils were leading three to one, and both of their plus minuses were plus three. So it, it goes to show you that's our top defensive unit, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I have a phrase for those big guys on defense, and it's called the Sasquatch squad for a reason because they got the long reach, they play physical. They're going to play that game, not just in their own zone. They're going to also play it even if they're forechecking on offense to gain the puck back. And we saw that throughout the whole game from not just the top pairing line. We saw that from uh, Yarosh's line, and we even saw Colton White, you know, for a good extent, handle their own zones, which was better than last year's. But still, you know, the last bits of the game, you know, when it came down to the 6v5, uh, Lankinen got pulled twice. And, you know, one of those goals, uh, Chicago got lucky because it got off of uh, Tyler Johnson's uniform and right over to Kirby Dot to tap it in, which you can't really, you know, cover. No, and, you know, like I said, I, I think the main issue that I'm looking at for the New Jersey Devils is that they didn't really take advantage of their power play opportunities. Like I literally sent out a tweet saying like, I sometimes I forgot that they had the man up advantage and 
uh, sometimes, you know, things like that uh, happen with, and, you know, like I said, it wasn't the cleanest game, wasn't the smoothest game, but we got it done. And I, I think that's uh, what, what we need to uh, look at. And yes, yeah, some of those, were, were, especially a play you just described, wasn't a fluke goal. Yeah, but at the same time, like I said, it's opening night. Things like that are going to happen. Um, and I, just from an overall standpoint, I'm really satisfied with what the New Jersey Devils did. I, 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 I think um, at one point, Heizer's line was playing the best out there. They were asserting themselves early on. And then Jack Hughes showed everyone why, you know, he's all the hype, I guess, around New Jersey. Um, Andreas Janssen, people were hating on him, saying, like, they should trade him right away because I was seeing it on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Well, but... I did see a little bit of negativity against uh, Andreas Janssen a little bit, but I think some people need to learn to, you know, settle down a little bit. You know, I know that's not a real thing in New Jersey, but it's starting to, you know, I guess become normal again with the way – Ruff has things set up, and I think fans are feeling a little bit more confident than restless now. So I think they still are, you know, getting ready to enjoy the fruits of the uh, improved defense. And I think when they play against the Seattle Kraken, you know, they will be a little bit more tighter. But, you know, anytime you have, whether it's a Devils opener or any other team's opener, I'm playing the five and over on the Vigit app because that's what I'm betting on is teams have minimal five points in a game. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, it, it was just an entertaining game. Cause I don't know about you, but I was on the uh, edge of my seat. Just, just uh, it's, but in the second period, the devils kind of, it just looked like they couldn't go on the attack or anything. It, it just looked like the, the uh, Blackhawks were pinching on them. It was just like, okay, uh, they, they can't get anything going. But, you know, I, I don't know what got a jolt in their step. Maybe it was because they blew a two-goal lead in the third period. But um, overall, like you just said, it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. And I'm not worried about the Seattle Kraken at all because, let's face it, all hype aside, all media aside, all the attention they've been getting uh, recently – they're not really the best team out there. They're not a team you fear. But is that fair to say? I mean, let me put it this way. I mean, they still got plenty of guys that you should be looking out for. Like, you know, Jamie Oleksiak on defense. You got former devil Adam Larson. And if Marcus Johansson stays healthy, he can get clicking. And uh, what's his name? Um, Jake McCabe. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's starting to make a name for himself in Seattle, and he's starting to really be someone that can try and establish himself on a team that's becoming a more respected brand. And I think the Devils can handle Seattle on Tuesday. But you look at Chicago, Chicago – has more firepower than Seattle does at this time, but anything can change over this endemic. Right. But like I said, let's, let's go back to the Blackhawks game. What were your, like, um, we, we know what my initial thoughts were coming into the game, but what were your initial thoughts? I'm curious to know. My initial thoughts was, 
it's going to be a high-scoring game. A lot of these young guys are going to have jitters going through their fingers. And after the – I was thinking through the first couple of minutes, they're they're going to let the lead out and, you know, there's going to be a lot of hitting. And I expect that because, you know, I've seen the Blackhawks defense in the past couple of years with, you know, some edginess and they played the Devils in a couple of barn burners. And this one was a little bit tighter than that, but it was more thriller. But I didn't really expect it to go past the third period, so I was partially wrong. Well, we we, we already heard my wrong predictions, but um, which player surprised you the most? I know there's a couple players you could choose from, but I, I want to say besides Jack Hughes, who's a player that uh, kind of, uh, you know, just – made you jump out of your seat was just like, wow, we really got him on our team. I, I probably already know the answer, but curious to know. Uh, for me, it's a defenseman, and I know we got him via trade, and most people are like, this guy's an AHLer, but it's for me, it's Christian Yarosh. Uh, to me, that big presence on defense, you know, keeping a lot of the Blackhawks guys outside of the uh, perimeter of the crease for uh, – Bernier to me made a lot of the uh, pressure for Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves a lot easier, you know, playing against, you know, those next top two lines. So for me, Yarosh being a physical guy, like, you know, if you think you're going to have a fun field day, you're not really going to have a fun field day at all. He's going to push you around and make you have a living hell. You know, it's funny because I've talked about Yarosh on my uh, show before, and it, it was actually in a negative way because I was watching the preseason game against the Rangers, and I felt like he kind of played out of position at times. I felt like he kind of, like, left like someone like Ryan Graves out to dry because it's like Ryan Graves comes up and, and, and then he, he just lets someone like Adam Fox go, like, backdoor or, or, or something like that. So um, I – I think, like like I said, preseason is good for these young guys just so that they can, like, you know, work on what they need to work on. Because I guarantee you, Lindy Ruff took him into the film room, sat him down, is like, here's how you're out of position. Because I, what I was seeing was I was seeing a connection between two Rangers players. I, I forget who they were specifically, but uh, they, but I, I was just seeing Yaros just play out of position. And overall, mm -hmm. he lets the puck go go past them and they go back door or whatever the case might be. So I had my concerns about Yarosh, uh, I'll be honest, but like you said, he, he fits the mold for a, a devil's defenseman perfectly. That's what we're looking for. That's what we need. And do you think, um, because remember we're, we're missing Ty Smith and we're missing Damon Severson. Do you think Yarosh uh, sticks around with the devil's organization or is it just. I, I would say this. The, the first person you'd move if Yarosh keeps doing the, the things he does is Mason Gertzen goes down to Utica to make way. So I would like to think that Severson makes way uh, coming back when you move Gertzen, and then you'd have to move Colton White down, and then you'd have to make way for Ty Smith. So those are the first two guys that I think of right off the top of my head, but I'm sure Tom Fitzgerald knows otherwise. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we just have a lot of young guys because the thing is, here's what, here's what we're going to be rolling with most games. It's obviously going to be Dougie Hamilton 
Ryan Graves. Then we got Ty Smith and Damon Severson, which, by the way, uh, news for any of you uh, Devils fans listening, which is pretty much all of you. The good news for you guys is that um, uh, Ty Smith and Damon Severson were reported to have been skating on their own at morning skate. So they should be good to go. I don't have an update on Miles Wood. I think he'll get back to skating on his own uh, momentarily, but I don't, I don't know what the time period is like for him. Uh, we got Mackenzie Blackwood still recovering from his heel uh, surgery. So he's just trying to take his time uh, mm-hmm. before he gets back onto the rink for an official game because we've seen him in preseason. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you this, uh, Joe, where did you get the nickname Sasquatch uh, squad? Cause that's actually very interesting. And, Quite honestly, it's kind of hard to say at times. Sasquatch squad. Well, first off, I mean, I told Neil Villapiano this on uh, Double State of Mind. I When I first saw, you know, ads for uh, Jack Link's beef, beef jerky, you know, people always try to mess with Sasquatch, and they think they can have a fun field day with him. But he either throws a snake into someone's RV and or they think they could throw um, maybe a – nice little uh what was it a frisbee on him with the uh, honey on him and then you start messing with him and then he starts throwing a boulder at you and he starts throwing you around the woods and to me when i kept seeing fitzgerald over the years adding more physical big boys through the draft and then acquiring guys via trade and signing guys this past off season i'm like we're starting to look more like sasquatches and they're big, they're physical, they're feisty, they, they're tough motherfuckers. I mean, how do I put this else? I mean, the, the true meaning of a New Jersey Devil is to be more like a Sasquatch on defense. you got to be ruthless, and you can't allow people to push you around, and you got, you got to be physical, but you got to do it the right way. And there was a lot of hitting, and the Sasquatch squad was there blocking shots as well. I'd say for the Devils, um, they gotta be, um, they, they gotta have better puck control because they had uh, 18 giveaways, whereas the Blackhawks had nine. So I know it's the first game, and I know you, you gotta handle the puck a little bit better. But you know that that that's just the one thing I think they need to focus on, which is just giveaways. But um, going back to what you said, I love that. I love that, by the way. Just, just <laughs> I think that. It's unique. It's hard to say. Sasquatch squad. Sasquatch squad. For anyone, it, try saying it ten times fast. It's it's not it's not easy. But I, I, I like the uniqueness. But it kind of. Le- but going back to what I just said momentarily, it kind of leads to my next question. What are some of the disappointing factors? Obviously, we know the penalty kill was not really the best, and the power play uh, opportunities were not the best either. I think both of them came in period number two, if I recall correctly. But what, what were some of the disappointing aspects of the game? My disappointing ones was Dawson Mercer leaving up his stick a little too high and drawing blood on that four-minute minor. But he did redeem himself. So, I mean, he got that assist, his first career point. So I'll give that to him. So that's a mixed blessing. Now, I wish there was more of a finishing touch with Andreas Janssen earlier in the game and maybe a couple more from a couple other guys like Tatar. But um, I think eventually in a month or two, we will see guys like Holtz come up and you'll see more finishers uh, finish up those kinds of plays that would have been buried. 
I still believe Holtz should have um, I, I think he should have made the team originally. Like I, I get that uh, what what uh, Tom Fitzgerald and Lindy Ruff were saying, which was they wanted to give him more power play opportunities and they wanted him to be a top six guy. But the way I see it, our top six is already set. So what is he only going to come up when, um, when when someone is injured? I want to give him a chance. Let him play on the third line. Like, you know, it, 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 he won't win like the Calder Memorial Trophy. He's playing on the third line and we, we don't need him to win the Hart Memorial Trophy either. I just want him to make some sort of impact for this roster because I believe he's ready. So what was your reaction to our final like uh, 23 man roster? Obviously we still have some players down. So like I said, Blackwood is out. Severson is out. Smith is out. Um, Wood is out. And Tice Thompson got removed from the injured reserves list earlier today, but he got sent down to Utica as soon, soon afterwards. Like for me, I don't put a whole lot of stock into the first roster for me. It has to do with the midway point. You know, that's where I most worry about it. When you look between American Thanksgiving and March trade deadline, that's when you need to worry about the roster a whole lot more because when you're in the top eight in the East, that's when that really matters. And I would like to see uh, Alexander Holtz and maybe if Nolan Foote's ready by that time and, you know, let's say there's a, players injured or some guy goes through a protocol you know it's good to have those options you you don't want to rush decisions and you know not have to um like rush a guy so it's good to have these conundrums these internal conundrums rather than not have many options yeah like i said i'm trying to i i kept my expectations moderate and i said if i had to choose between mercer and holtz I said I was choosing Mercer, which at the time was kind of a hot take, but I just said due to Mercer's high uh, hockey IQ, excuse me, I I just felt as though that's something you cannot teach. Whereas for Holtz, he has a a sniper on him. Don't get me wrong, but some of the plays I was seeing Mercer make, like, for example, some of the uh, takeaways that he was doing, uh, he was able to score a goal in one preseason game in which, like, three – players for the Washington Capitals were swarming in on him and he was able to get right past them and then score the goal. And and, and he could have just elected to dump the puck and then go for a line change. But I I just love his high hockey IQ, if if that makes sense. Yes. I mean, when you talk about players' intelligence, I mean, you raise a different awareness in uh, how you can create another play ahead of the play. So I know this is a Wayne Gretzky thing, but he said a good hockey player goes where the puck is. An excellent hockey player goes where the puck will be. And, you know, when he sees, I mean, Mercer, of course, he sees the play like, you know, strips JT Miller, you know, not JT Miller, Keandre Miller, sorry, I'm screwing my Millers. And, you know, you strip the puck loose, you get as much room as you can, you try and finish the play. And when you do finish the play, it's a it's a good thing to have because it's a confidence builder. Now, I look forward to see Mercer just getting a little bit hotter and, you know, make people more excited to see him. You know, he's a he's gonna be a potential Selkie trophy candidate along with Nico and Jack. Don't be surprised.
has the best chance of winning a, a Selkie, quite honestly. Um, and, you know, maybe him being on the top line, maybe that's what Lindy Ruff saw out of him. But um, we're just going to have to wait and see. So for all of my shows towards towards like the end of my like reactions, I always give the game a, a grade. So what would you give uh, this, this uh, win for the New Jersey Devils? Like, what would you grade it? I would say, well, if it weren't for the the six ver- versus five, I probably would have gone with an, an A minus. To me, this was like a B plus because I find it was a little bit of a letdown on the six v five. But really, to me, it was a B plus effort because you got the two points, but in overtime. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm going to – I won't be as generous. I'm going to give it a B minus. No, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to give it a B. The reason for this is because it's the first game of the year, and, and you know, like I said, you're going to make mistakes. Not everything is going to come into full fruition. And, by the way, while we were on the topic of Dawson Mercer, congratulations for officially now joining the NHL. He got an assist this game uh, on the Andreas Janssen goal. So, Welcome to the big leagues, kid. Now, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, solid B for the New Jersey Devils because it was an exciting game. It seemed like they didn't skip a beat in terms of offense. I saw Dougie Hamilton make an impact. Ryan Graves make an impact. Jack Hughes. Uh, I told him I wanted Jack Hughes on that top line to begin the season just because I wanted him, Sharon Govich, and Quokinen to assert themselves because I felt like with Jack Hughes, you're going to get that. But, you know, they got off to a slow start to begin the game, and people were saying, like, mm, Jack Hughes' line is kind of a letdown. But I was, but I was just like, wait, I, I, I see something in Jack Hughes. Just uh, I know people are going to call me crazy because I didn't predict it. I didn't speak it into existence or anything. But I was just like, I, 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 I see something in Jack Hughes, which is why I wanted him to play on the top line. But, you know, but the fact that he was able to have two goals, get the game-winning goal is amazing. I, I think the only issue that I have personally – and not. I don't want to piggyback off you or anything, so I'll <laughs> provide some, something different. Um, the penalty kill what needs to be improved. The power play needs to be improved. So specialty teams all around needs to be improved. Uh, we need to clean things up. Like I said, the giveaways are kind of a concern. The fact that we almost doubled our giveaways compared to the Blackhawks is, you know, kind of something you kind of need to work on in practice. But like I said, first game of the year, uh, I'll give it a B. Wasn't the perfect game, but at the same time, very good game for for an op- for an opener, and we finally win the opening game of the year. And I think it's been a few years since we've done so. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was at a Devils Blackhawks game, and I remember it was Mackenzie Blackwood was in net, and uh, former goaltender. What was it? I think it was Curtis McElhaney or someone or someone who just recently retired from the Blackhawks uh, that day was in net. And I remember Votnin had a slap shot of a bomb on the power play. But, I mean, we talk about Jack Hughes with those two goals. I actually have him modeled between 16 and 25 goals this year. So he already has two out of the 16 and two out of the 25. And I have him on pace to get 73 points. Oh, oh, it's funny you said that because a couple episodes ago, I I did a hot take because I was reacting to some fantasy um, hockey websites saying how many points uh, Jack Hughes was projected to get. They said around like, I think uh, 60 something points. uh, And I was just like, 
No. He, I think Jack Hughes could get anywhere from 70 to 75. Now, I wasn't sure if that was a hot take or not. I think people in New Jersey believe that, but I don't think people outside of New Jersey believe that. So I, I actually said that a, a couple of episodes ago. I said Jack Hughes can get 70 to 75 points this season if all goes well. And But the thing is, Kwokinen and Sharon Govich have to help him out in terms of converting their shots into goals. But if anyone could get the most out of them, it's Jack Hughes. And also, I don't know if you knew this or not, Jack Hughes last season was actually tops in the NHL for, uh, you know, having his uh, puck, like, ring out of the post. Like, goes in yeah. and out of the post, doesn't, doesn't uh, score. I, I, think, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but it, it's, a, it's a stat. Yeah, it's a, so, like, a lot of those shots he had could have been goals. Unfortunately, just bad luck or wrong angle, whatever the case might be. So I was just like, okay. Jack Hughes can get 70 to 75 points. I know that's probably a hot take for some, but for me, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely believe that. Well, this is how I did it. So, like, Jack is on – like, he was on pace last year for 45. And you add the – you you divide the takeaways in half. So, I added 28, and then I made it 73. So – just think about that in a perfect world. That's where I kind of got that idea. So that's where I left it off. And I actually gave a bunch of other players uh, similar models. And I have to target getting 57 points because if he gets a minimal of eight takeaways converted into points, you know, instead of getting 49, he's getting 57. Tatar should be in the top six, quite honestly. I, 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 I thought when we signed him, he was supposed to be that top six guy for us. Um, I honestly believe that Tatar should be in the top six because I think we're underestimating what he could potentially do because he led the Montreal Canadiens in scoring just a couple years ago. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he push, he pushes the envelope on Lindy Ruff and Lindy Ruff can't just keep him on the same line. No, he, he can't. And the thing is, it's like we're rocking the same top six with the exception of just flipping our first and second line. We're literally rocking with the same top six that we had last season. And I'm just like, we had potential to switch it up a little bit with Alexander Holtz, Thomas Tatar. But yet we're sticking to what we already know. Now, Miles Wood is out and that's kind of a, a factor as well. But still, it's just like I, I kind of expected a little more from us in terms of just forming our uh, proper line because I said my prediction was Miles Wood, Alexander Holtz, and Dawson Mercer on the third line. Then fourth line, you you get like Janssen, you get McLeod, and then um, you, you, you then uh, I guess like uh, I, I, I just said it was like a toss-up for the bottom six. Like you could put – you can insert Quoken in somewhere. But I mm. just said I, I, I think Alexander Holtz deserved a, a chance, and I – I forget what my real prediction was, but that was that was somewhere in that ballpark, which was the top line would be Jack Hughes, Sharon Govich, um, and then uh, Tatar. Or I said if Tatar – during the summer, I said Tatar should be paired with Nico Heizer and Jesper Brat, just because, you know, Brat and Heizer are good two-way players and Tatar's defense is a little bit of a question mark. So I said, like, if you want to put Tatar in the top six, maybe – assign him with uh, Heizer. But once uh, Lindy Ruff said that Zaka was going to be reunited with Heizer and um, and, and also uh, Brat, I was just like, okay, you know, 
you know, I, I guess you could put him with Jack Hughes and Sharon Govich. I, I knew it was a long shot, but I just said, I, I think we got Tatar to be a top six guy. I was just like, okay, we could have had potential to do something special, but I don't know. Because I, I, my, my question was, can Yanni Kwokanen produce without Sharon Govich and Hughes? Because we know Sharon Govich and Hughes can produce without him. Because some players tend to feed off certain centers. And that's usually a pro and a con, depending on who you gel with the best. And that's usually sometimes the problem. Like, Janssen was a battery mate with uh, Austin Matthews in Toronto. And he was clicking with him. But once he left to go to New Jersey last year, during the first part of COVID, it just he just never really clicked all that much, but he scored like what eleven points in fifty-five games. It was something like that. I don't even want to look it up because it's going to make me mad, quite honestly. But, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I was actually talking to one of my colleagues who works at Locked On Leafs, and he said, you know, what what do you expect out of Janssen? I was like, okay, he's not. His numbers are anywhere from solid to mediocre, depending on how you look at it. But I just feel like you know. I said, once New Jersey got him, I said, you know, that could be a diamond in the rough. Maybe he couldn't prove whatever the case might be. Nope. Not at all. But uh, I, I said, Janssen deserves a chance for at least half a season. And if he's not producing by the trade deadline, then try to ship him out somewhere. I mean, he's already one goal into getting eight goals already out of the minimal 30 points I have due to the fact that if he converts on the takeaways, he could be getting 30 instead of 18. So, I mean, you can look at it that way, but um, you definitely make way for Holtz that way, or you might move Jesper Bokvist in the trade. Bokvist has to go. I I do not like him. He's just taking up space. I said it's a good thing we're able to send him down without any repercussion because I, I looked at his contract, so he's able to be sent down, and that's exactly where we sent him. That's where he belongs. He needs to go. He's just not producing. I, I don't know why we continue to have him. He seems to be just taking up space. I, I, I don't like him at all. I, I think the Devils will find the right suitor for him, and I think what they'll do is they'll look for a guy who can be more of a power play guy and they'll get they'll get someone in exchange for him or something like that. They're, the Devils aren't going to go for futures or anymore. They're they're going for the real deal. They're going to get you know players to make them contenders. They're not going to be pretenders this year. That's what I'm sensing. And I know Fitzgerald wants to go all in, just like he's at the betting table. Almost like Trey, you there? 